Good morning. Saubon. Makadi. We are a, a multicultural body. We are members one of another. There is no black church. There is no white church. There is no red church. There's just the church. We are one, one body. I've been talking about this, and last week I'm just going to real quickly review because I have a lot to cover this morning. Jesus is the life of our church. He is what breathes life into it. Without him, we're dead. Um, he is the head. And there is no other head of the church. There is, there's no backup head. There is only Him. And, and we, as the body, are to lift up and exalt our head so that He may draw people to Him. The leadership of the world is not the leadership of the church. They, they lord it over. We serve under. Right? So... We have to take all of that from the perspective of servanthood, because that is who our master is. And so he is our head, he's our leader. We saw the churches, the seven churches, both their pros and their cons, and how each one had something that was the Lord responded to them regarding their pros and their cons. So we do this body thing together, or we don't do it at all. We win together, or we fail together. Right? That's what Scripture is showing us, is that all the churches, they weren't judged according to just individually. They were judged according to corporate, their corporateness. Right? And God spoke to them in that regard. Even though they had one person who had a Jezebel spirit, they tolerated that, and God dealt with the whole entire body. That is perceiving the body of Christ, that we have to perceive ourselves, not just as individual members of that body, but as a corporate body that is global in scale. Not just local in scale. There are local churches, there's one body. So as we come into this, the, the thing that started this whole message in my heart was this word that I'm getting to now. <laughs> I didn't even get to what the Lord really had impressed on my heart. And that is that it is found in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16 through 17. And it has to do with communion, interestingly enough. The cup that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one bread, we, who are many, are one body. Do you see how it's tied to communion? Isn't that interesting? The body of Christ, a picture that, that God is using to describe the body so that we can discern it properly, is the bread of communion. We who are many 
are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Right? So he, th- this was, I kind of went, that was kind of one of those wow moments. Wow. Really? And, and, and it, it just really um, became a, a word to me that I, that I was, it was just pondering, turning it over. Selah, you know, think on this. And then it goes to, in the context, if we go to 1 Corinthians 11, it says, Let everyone examine himself, and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body. Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. Is he talking only about it being the body of Jesus? No, he's talking about the one loaf, right? Without discerning that you are connected to the guy sitting next to you, the woman sitting next to you, the child sitting next to you. If you don't discern that, you can eat and drink judgment on yourself. You see, if we look at the Passover, it was about judgment, wasn't it? The Passover was about judgment. Okay? And it says, this is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. We judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. God isn't here to, He doesn't want to judge us. He wants us to be not condemned with the world. Amen? So, as covenant, when we covenant with God, we need to discern that as we are in this covenant with God, we are in covenant with one another. Right? We are. It's a covenant. He's saying, as often as you guys do this, remember one body. Right? Right? Remember, one body, one bread, one loaf. So as often as we do it, we need to remember what Passover was about. It was about a nation being delivered. It was about the judgment, and it was about a nation being delivered. Now, um, what in the old, uh, the Passover, they, they were to eat the... They were to take the lamb, and they were to ready themselves to leave, right? Put their backpack on, their staff in their hand, the Bible says. And that's how they were to take communion. They were to stand and take communion and eat it, ready to go, right? Because it was a sign of faith that God was going to deliver them, right? So they did this as a picture. We're ready to go. We are ready to go. Right? Not I am ready to go. We are ready to go. The church needs to be ready to go. Amen? Because we have the deliverance that we sought through Jesus don't we? We have it. What are we going to do with it? 
We're going to keep it all to ourselves. No. See, God didn't just give them deliverance for them. Through that nation, the whole world would be we saved. Right? Jesus is saying, we're the one loaf. This is my body, it's broken for you. You are one loaf. You're broken and given to the world. Right? I break you, I give you to the world. They need the bread of life. You have the bread of life. Give it out. Right? We're, we're freed from slavery. But we don't want to just come to church just to be changed. We want to come to church to be equipped. Who, who is who's responsible for ministry in the church? Who does ministry? The work. The Bible has, uses the phrase, the work of the ministry. Who does it? Everybody, right? Not just the pastor, right? No. So when you need prayer, do you, oh, well, we need to get Alan to come over and pray for them. No. Alan's equipping you now on Sundays to go out and do it yourself. Right? You're the one loaf. You're the one that's broken and given out to the world. This is a body that we're born into. Jesus said, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Church isn't a membership thing where you sign up. It it might be. We have membership. But that's not how you're born into the body. You're born in. Right? They have that phrase, you can choose your friends but not your relatives. Right? (laughs) We're baptized into it. For as many of you were baptized have baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. In 1 Corinthians, just as one body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all made to drink of one spirit. One. One spirit. So as we come to communion, I want you to think about this. God, it says in this passage, God arranged the members in the body as He chooses. Right? And God is doing something in us. He is bringing people to us and He is moving us around to put us into a place in the body where we can reflect Jesus to the world as He chooses. One mistake we do as people is we put people into boxes and we say, well, you know, He could never do this or that's their ministry is doing that. Right? Let's not do that because God is moving us around. And He will be. I'm seeing this. That God is going to put people into positions we would never put them in. Right? And if we put them in a box, we don't allow God to do what God is calling them to do, we'll miss out. I've been told more than one time that I would never have a word ministry. You know? And it, um, I don't know why I'm up here preaching, but God does. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I pretty much agreed with them. <laughs> and yet... God is doing what He does. 
But let's not put each other into boxes. Let's not say, well, that person can't prophesy. We all have the ability to prophesy, to, to bring healing, to speak into people's lives because we have Jesus in us. These other gifts, it says the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, are for the equipping of the saints. Right? To do these things. And Jesus in you makes you the minister. So let's come together now with the thought that we are one loaf. We're one body. Right? That is part of what the picture of communion is to us. Let's discern that. That we are put together in one loaf so that God can give us away to the world. So as we come, can you come up, those who are involved in ministering to us in communion? Can we just come and it says, let's examine ourselves and let's discern, let's, let's um, like the churches, what do we have that we need to confess, right? What do we have in our heart that, we, that keeps us separate? Do we have a perception that Somebody that's in this church isn't part of our body, right? Because that's not discerning the body of Christ. He has made us one. So Father, we come before You. We repent, Lord, of our divisiveness, God. And we ask, God, that You would make us one. Father God, that You are putting people in your body, as it pleases you. Lord, let it please us also. Help us, God, not to put people into boxes, Lord. Allow you to do, through all of us, Lord, what you want to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. So come, partake of the Lord. In this passage it says, For the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. We all are, are one, but we have different functions. Right? And we can't say, I don't need that function because it doesn't apply directly to me. Right? If we look at our hand as a good example, um, this finger relates to the palm. The palm relates to the other five. These don't really connect directly to each other in the body, but try lifting something without it, without the cooperation of different parts. Right? We, ha- we, we may not be connected. God puts us where He will. We all have certain friends and things that we, ministries that are complementary, things like that, but we, unless we cooperate, we can't lift anything. We can't do the work of God. Right? So even though we may not be directly connected, we, we each have a function that is in cooperation with the rest of the body. There's no part, it says, 
that are indispensable. And I thought of Rachel also this morning dancing. Uh, children are a part of the body. And they're, and they're, they're indispensable. Right? They're, they're just as important as the pastor or anybody else. Right? They're, God puts them in our body. And we're ministered to by them. Amen? And so we, we all have our uniqueness. God, doesn't, God is about diversity, isn't he? I mean, you look at, he doesn't make one kind of flower. He makes like a billion kinds of flowers. You know? And it, I'm a diver, so you go into the ocean, you, you don't see one color fish. You see like this explosion of color of fish. That's, that's God. He's about the diversity, but he's also about oneness. He says he doesn't want any division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. That if one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So find your place. Right? Plug in. Be connected. You are nourished through the joints of connection, the Bible says. From the head, the life flows to us. Oneness. One of the longest recorded prayers of Jesus was, that was recorded for us is found in John 17, verse 11. It's interesting what his concern wasn't. Right? If we think about in the light of the seven churches, it's, his concern wasn't, he didn't pray about persecution. Right? These are some of the things that were negatives in the church the churches that were to exist soon after. He didn't pray about lack of faith, lack of perseverance. He prayed that we would be one. It's interesting, huh? When we pray for the church, do, do we pray that? If Jesus thought this was his really number one concern, because if you look through that, he prays over and over again, Father, make them one. As we are one. The same kind of oneness that we have. That I don't do anything, Jesus said, except my Father shows me. I'm not, I'm not doing this by myself, Jesus said. Right? Make them one as we are one. The same way. Is this our, is this our biggest concern? Our oneness. Is it? I'm asking the question. Is it our biggest concern? Because it's, it's really like number one on Jesus' list. Isn't it? Because, I mean, he spent a whole, well, you know, it's a long recorded prayer for, for us. And it's all about making us one. Making us that one loaf, that one bread. Right? So, if it's not our biggest concern, then we are not discerning his plan for the body. Because his plan is oneness. It's oneness in thought and word and deed that we work together, not as cookie cutter Christians, right? Uh, not making our, ourselves in, uh, other people in our image, 
But, but finding our place, our uniqueness, is, is indispensable to God. Right? Our uniqueness will find a place in His body where we can be ministers. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world, for what reason? Right? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. There's a purpose in our oneness. So that the world may know. Right? When the world sees us dividing and devouring and biting and chewing on one another, it does not see oneness. Right? So we need to be careful. The Bible says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body. We, and I honestly believe in the global church we do not discern the body of Christ properly. And that is the biggest holdback that we have to revival. If you want revival, pray for oneness. Hello? If you want revival, pray for oneness. Because then it will happen. It's a byproduct. The body of the bride. See, God gave us another beautiful picture of the body. His bride. Right? We're His bride. And He also showed us covering. See, we think, we think of submission as subjection. God sees it as protection. I'm the head of my wife. I'm here to protect her. To cover her. If you want it her, you've got to go through me. Right? God is our covering. He's our protection. He's the head. The head is to serve, protect, to cover. He gave the example of to understand he gave his life for her, for his bride. Right? That's protection. He took her place. Every, I want you to understand it says in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians, the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So it says that a man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. It's a picture of what headship, how we relate to our head. He covers us. We cover our wives. Amen? He covers us. He protects us. And to not really perceive that, we're dishonoring our head. We're, not, we're saying, no, Jesus, don't need you to be my covering. I'm out here on my own. I'm the Lone Ranger. Right? That's where the body is important. That we come and we submit ourselves to our head for his protection. Right? 
It's about protection. It's about having him as our symbol of authority, the ultimate authority. Remember the diadem? He has multiple authorities. We are submitting under that headship. In 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. See, he wants to present to himself a church in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. If you want to see a beautiful woman, go look at her bride. Huh? Man. They're the, the most beautiful you will probably ever see them is on their wedding day. My wife was so beautiful. I'm embarrassing her now. So beautiful. And it wasn't just what she was wearing. It was the glow of her face and her smile. We smiled so much that our cheeks hurt. You know? That's what Jesus sees in us. That's what he sees. You are his bride. You're the desire of his heart. He, 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 he doesn't say, I would give my life for you. He said, I did give my life for you. It's, no, it's not a theory, it's a fact. Right? So if we criticize the church, hmm, you've got to be one of the bravest people, braver, maybe something else. Um, if you think about it, go to an Afrikaner wedding, pick some big nine-foot-tall guy, you know, and he's got his bride there, and go walk up to his bride and start talking down about her and see what happens to you. <laughs> right? Uh, you're either very brave or not too bright. And yet we don't hesitate to criticize the church, do we? Some of us. huh? We don't hesitate. I tell you what, you better hesitate. You better think that one through. Because Christ is their covering. Christ is her covering. He's her protector. And we need to respect one another in the Lord as part of His bride and honor one another. We need to understand and discern that Christ looks at us as a body as His bride. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. We yearn to be united in that perfect oneness with our head, don't we? That's why the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. It says, No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. He nourishes you, it says, through our connections one with another. Are you being the kind of connection in the body that is nourishing to your brother or sister? Right? That's how it happens, isn't it? That's what the Word says. We are to be like Him. The picture I see, another picture of really what the bride is like, 
is in Esther 2. It says, now when, it, 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 when the time came for each young woman to go to King Azazarus after being 12 months under the regulations of the women, since this was their regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments. Right? Preparing. We are in the preparing stage. Right? It's a long-term process. Right? This was a picture. Esther's a picture of the church. She stood in the gap and interceded for the world, didn't she? She interceded for her nation. We are the church. We stand in the gap and we intercede for the world. Right? It's a picture of us being readied, being our, our beautification, as you will. I know you guys are not into that, but in, in a spiritual sense, think about it. God is getting you ready to be a part of that. He's, he's getting you ready as He readies His bride. The Holy Spirit, the picture there was the Holy Spirit was doing the getting ready, wasn't it? He was the one that was coming alongside and saying, in order to please your king, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to look like. Right? So, it's, that's part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, is getting us ready to be that bride without spot, without wrinkle. Let us rejoice and exult and give glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. In Revelations 19. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Right? The church did something. Deeds speak of doing. Right? We weren't just getting ready to just sit. We were getting ready to do. And those righteous deeds of the saints, we wear like fine linen before the Lord in Revelation. Another picture of the body is, that I find in Scripture is the spiritual house. It's found in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11 and Ephesians 2.20. It says that the foundation of this house is Christ. Right? God, God has been building, this was his plan all along, to build a spiritual house, this one body, and the foundation of that would be Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 3 9, it says, We are God's building. You know, and it, and it ties in with putting each person in their place where they're supposed to be, so that they relate. We're living stones, right? And we relate one to another. Not every stone is directly connected, but they're all part of that body. He uses a picture of the stone that the builders rejected. Christ is the cornerstone. He's underneath holding everything up, Right? When you lay a cornerstone, that's the first one. On the foundation of Christ, Christ being the cornerstone, 
He gives the body dimension and direction. Right? In other words, start building here. Right? Because that's the first stone. So you, in order to go from that stone, you have to relate directly to that stone. The Christ, the stone, the rock of God. Not cut, in Isaiah it says, by human hands. It's God's doing. In Luke chapter 20, it says, he looked at them directly and said, what then is this that was written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. There's a time for us to fall on the stone. That is now. It's a day of repentance. Fall on the stone, be broken. Break your self-will. Break before the Lord. Because we don't want to wait. Because if we don't fall on the stone, the stone, it says, there will be a day when it will fall on us if we haven't fallen on it. And it will crush us. Ephesians 2 says the whole structure is a holy temple. The design of it is to be a spiritual temple for a dwelling place of God, that God will dwell in this temple. Not made with hands. It's not, we're not talking about a physical building. Sarepta isn't the temple. The body of Christ is the temple. We could do this in, out in the jungle somewhere, except that we'd get wet. We would still be the body of Christ, and we would still be a holy temple unto the Lord. Right? Because that's what he's building. He holds us up. He's that that foundation. He's that cornerstone that starts the construction, that gives it direction and dimension. Remember, Father, make them one as we are one. He wants us to be connected. And there's this permanence about a building, isn't there? Isn't there? He doesn't want us being running all over all the time. That's not his will. He wants us to be, uh, in order to be effective and to be a true picture of Christ, he wants us to be connected. And, and you know, it's like, oh, where, where, where did that wall go? <laughs> you know, where, where did those bricks go? You know, it's just it's kind of, the rain's coming in. Right? If we're missing pieces of us, we don't become an effective house of worship. Right? So it's important that the, the, the picture here of, speaks of permanence, connectedness, and God's building. Right? God constructing. In Ephesians it says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. We are one in purpose, one in unity, but not in function. Right? We have different functions. So, according to the grace that is given us in Romans, it says, let us use our members. Right? Let us use whatever God has given us. It says, our gifts... Our gifts are not for us, they're for the body. Right? 
when, when God gives you a gift, it's not for you. It's for the body. If in our service and serving, in prophecy according to our faith, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does act of mercies with cheerfulness. So all of this preparation that God is putting us in is to do something. First, uh, as Costa was saying, we come, right? We come to be equipped. We come to have the, we prepare ourselves as a bride to connect ourselves as the body, to build ourselves as the worship center. And then we go to do the work of the ministry. We're now equipped. Now we go. We come to be equipped and we go to minister. Do you see the picture? Do you, we, we, we discern the body of Christ by understanding what God is designing. Right? Men build things. Men try to replicate. But only God can make a body. And only God can breathe life into it. The body of the army, part of the going. The going in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, it says, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. You see, we prepare ourselves as individuals in the body. We put on our armor, right? As a soldier, we put on our armor. We ready ourselves. That's the individual. That's the coming together, right? But we go out as an army, not as an individual, right? Not as an individual soldier. We go out as an army of God. We come together to prepare ourselves. We put on our armor. We get ready. We learn how to stand and march together, right? Because we don't want to go out there like, like stuff falling off of us and all straggling off to one side, right? That doesn't look like an army. It looks like a mess. God wants us to march in unity together, one purpose, one goal, bring the world to Jesus, Right? So we prepare together, putting on our armor, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the belt. So we, all these things, the belt of truth, the shoes, the readiness of the gospel. Right? Are you ready to share the gospel? Are you? Okay, that's, if you're not, that's okay. We that's what the body is about, is helping others to get ready, isn't it? If you need help, ask for it. Right? That's what we're here for. We're here to equip and repair. If you can honestly say, no, I'm not really ready for that, then we want you to be ready. Because we all want to march together. Right? Once, we're, once we've got our armor on, it's not for us to stand around and go, hey, that's a really nice uh, shield we have there. You know? You ever use that thing? Nah. But it's pretty cool, isn't it? Right? That's not what this is about. We're, we're, we're an army. We should, we're, we're to march together, out prepared and ready to go. 
to bring the world, to show the world who Jesus is. So we put on our helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We come together to fight as a spiritual army whose weapons are not of the flesh. In 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Right? So we march as an army, not physically. You won't, we won't have a, a run where we all go down the street with our swords and our thing. We march together as an army who recognizes there are principalities and powers out there trying to destroy us and trying to blind the world to the truth. We take authority that we've been given and we fight together against those things so that the gospel can go forth. Right? When I was ministering in the valley, we had this demonic presence. And it wasn't until the church began to pray against it that it went away. And then we could go in and share the gospel. And literally, in the time that we shared after that, hundreds of children came to Christ. Right? We fight spiritual warfare. We use these weapons that have divine power. We destroy arguments raised against the knowledge of God. See, he gave us these ministries within the body for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. To build us up. Not to tear us down. Right? So as we minister, wherever we minister within the body, let's make sure that we are building up. Because that's what God is doing. That's his, that's his design. He wants, in Ephesians 4, and this is the, the reason for all this, in Ephesians 4.11, until we he equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the word unity, oneness, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the full measure of, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, everything that Jesus is walking the earth, ministering, we will be when we fully discern what being that body is. When we fully come to oneness, when we are full of Jesus. Are we there yet? No. We're not. But we can be. We, ha- we have to begin to pray for what Jesus prays. Right? Oneness. <laughs> Lord, make us one. Father, make us one like you're one. Right? Make that important to us as it is to you. Right? Let's have your heart in that. It says that when this happens like in Acts it says the Lord added daily to their number those that would be saved when this body thing is working and functioning God brings the increase doesn't he it'll be a natural byproduct of that when we begin to 
completely flow in the life that flows from the head. Right? When we are fully submitted to our headship, we are protected and covered, given direction. Then we'll begin to see God do what He does. So find a place where you can relate. We should always be being disciples and discipling. Every one of us. We should always have somebody that's helping disciple us further into Christ. And we should always be helping someone else discipling them. Hmm? Isn't that what the joints connectedness and, and nourishment flowing is? Right? We're receiving from the Lord. We're giving out. So that should... so. If you don't find yourself in that place, that's where God wants you to be. Yield to that. I'm sure there are tons of young people here that could benefit from the many hoary heads that we have. Right? You've got a lot of wisdom in God that needs to be imparted. And there are people that are young, young and yearning for that input in their lives. So they can come to the fullness of the stature of who Jesus is. So find your place. Let it be one of discipleship, both being discipled and always discipling. Right? And then remember that our connectedness and our nourishment always come from Jesus. It always comes from our head. You're not the source of it. I'm not the source of it. He is the source of it. So let's pray. Father, make us one. God, make us one, Lord. This was your concern for us. That we would be one as you're one, God. And I just pray that you would do that in us, God. That you would make us one like you are one. That we hear your voice so clearly. That we don't do anything without hearing from our head. That we remain under the covering and submission to our head who is Christ. God, that you would make us an army that marches together in unison, that you would make, build us into a building of, of a house of worship, that you would prepare us as a bride for your coming. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Hallelujah. Amen. I have one more thing. I have two minutes left here. This word came to me, and I want to just give it to you. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, and verse 11, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. And there's been a word about the heart, right? Our heart is wide open. And in return, I speak to you as children. It says, widen your hearts also. So, I'm giving that as a word to the church. Widen your hearts. 
Open them up. Be, be receptive. Be embracing. Right? So I'm just encouraging you with that scripture. Widen your hearts. See what God does. Amen?